Welcome to 11 Minute Sessions with Le Pubsy and Tafik. My name's Tim Beams and I am joined by Laura Rathbone, very good friend and colleague. Um, we've been discussing what to introduce Laura as and, <laughs> and I think the most polite way of introducing her to people who don't know is that she's a psychologically informed um, clinician. Yeah. and pain coach and yeah. pain educator yeah. and um, I don't think it's um, too much to say that she's moving things forward and in a great way so I'm, I really it's my great pleasure <laughs> to have Laura here um, now we're going to jump into the 11 minutes straight away which uh, Laura doesn't know an awful lot about what I'm going to ask <laughs> no, it's exciting but it's always like this so yeah. it's, a, it's an adventure every time that so. is it so we've got 11 minutes and when the buzzer goes off we'll just wrap up uh, that question so let's just go for it so Laura well, I, I would love to know yeah. what are the types of challenges that you hear um, clinicians day to day are, are are encountering in their clinics yeah so I guess when people come to work with me the, the first thing they come in usually is with like some kind of clinical example or a patient that they're struggling with and then we sort of start unpicking what it is that they're stuck with and most of the time very quickly you realize it's uh, this it, what they're actually getting stuck with is this feeling of I'm gonna do it wrong I'm not good enough I don't know how to integrate this stuff or I don't have time to do it and I, the the, the, I think the problem for a lot of people is they have might have been on lots of courses that try to bring together whole person perspectives, but it's very difficult to then go back into a biomedically um, um, a sort of uh, biased uh, situation, like an appointments-based diary, and then see how all of this stuff over here that encapsulates the whole person experience, how does that fit into this very, very small period of time? Um, and how do they manage the expectations of the person on the other side of the therapy interaction that might have some idea as to what physiotherapy is or what that particular professional therapy is. And so, it, so what I see a lot really is this kind of more like emotional block. It's like I feel frustrated, I feel frightened, I feel unsure, I feel guilty, I feel... Um, and I think that really speaks to the way our system um, trains clinicians and the way that we have all been brought up through this hierarchy within the system. I think I think that's what I see most is mm -hmm. this sort of just you know, I mean, so often people are just completely overloaded and um, emotionally exhausted from first of all bearing witness to pain over and over and over again, and then bearing witness to pain in a way that they feel um, unable um, to really compassionately um, support that other person mm. because you know in 10 minutes you've got somebody else coming through and you've got you know you've got your targets and you've got this form you've got to fill out and you've you know you might have just been told by your manager that you know you you take too long or you ask too many questions or you know the, the sorts of stories that are coming through are mm. so really about clinicians being closed down and not being able to express their own individuality and therefore they can't make that humane connection with the other person in front of them. So then all of that stuff they've just learned and invested in in terms of being a whole person clinician or a biopsychosocial clinician, it just doesn't fit into the box that they're having to work within. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's really sad. Yeah. 
So yeah, totally. Sad, sad for the person, the clinician. Everybody to, loses. To me, yeah, that's it. It's it's sad for the person in pain because it sounds like there's so much we want to offer, and yeah. then there are constraints that yeah. around that as well. Yeah. So I suppose the question that I have then is, what can we do about it, or or is there anything that we can do about it? Yeah, well, it's a question I ask myself all the time, and I ask it because. That was my experience. You know, I did that. I came out of school. I went into high-volume appointments-based MSK practice where it was very toxic. Um, I was desperate to learn how to like, connect on a human. That's why I became a clinician. That's why I became a physio. So one of the things that I spent some time really thinking about was, like, what was it that I experienced? What was that like for me? And that was quite hard because I had to go back and actually unpick some of that stuff because it was quite um, emotionally taxing and it was hard. Um, so I think what we need to do just generally is actually connect a little bit with our hum- with, with the experiences that we've had as clinicians and try and remember that clinicians are people and that generally they've come into this job because they want to help and support people in a in a therapeutic way which is different to that kind of medical interventional way you know they want to they want to understand the other person they want to connect with them they want to you know they want to create i hate these terms like high value but that is what it's like you know meaningful therapeutic change so i think we have to we have to reconnect to our humanity we're going to have to feel a bit more i don't know whether that makes any sense probably doesn't mm. are there are there are there sort of I don't know, in the moment practices then, or, or is it more that you're trying to change mm-hmm. your general work in practice to be able to, to, to do that? Yeah. So what I notice when people come onto a pod or when they come into coaching <clears throat> is that they come in with quite a strong negative self-talk or critical self-talk, and they just sort of keep putting themselves down like I am the one that is failing Um, and what we spend some time on is sort of turning that lens around and saying well okay how is how might the environment be restricting you how might the environment be failing you in this moment how might the team or the, the the space or the way that the system is created be failing you and the hard bit about that is that it exposes us to that but I mean it's a really emotional moment when people go actually maybe it's not me maybe it is the fact that my manager only gives me 20 minutes with a patient maybe it is the fact that you know for the last few years on in my supervision I've been told that I get too emotionally attached or I'm not professional enough or all of this stuff you know like maybe some of that has been part of the reason why I'm struggling um, now in every clinical experience Mm. and um, so I think I think it is about it's a, it is about, it's not just about what you do in the clinic, it's about understanding yourself first as a human because that sort of seems to get, you know, we, we go into school. I was having this conversation before, you know, before you go into clinical school, before you go to learn your profession, you know so much already about the world. And then day one you go in and they sort of overwhelm you with how much you don't know about physiotherapy or how much you don't know about medicine or rehab or whatever. And so then you spend three years trying to know all of that bit of information 
And you don't necessarily get taught how to integrate or bring forwards what you've had for the last 18 years or maybe the last 30 years if you go in as an older student. Mm. So you, you constantly feel like you're, you just need to know more about this particular profession in order to do better. Mm. And I think sometimes we have to go back and value that other way of knowing, that human way of knowing. Um, and that sort of, that might then empower us or give us more autonomy or more bravery to step out of situations that aren't allowing us to fully, you know, embrace and commit to our physiotherapeutic or therapeutic contract with society, which is that we're going to hold a, an individualised therapeutic space for that other person. Mm. And if you haven't got a system that allows you to do that, you have to make a choice. Do I stay in the system that harms all of us? Or do I step out and try and create something different so that I can do my job? Mm. Yeah. And not everybody can step out, can they? <clears throat> exactly. So then, yeah. And that's the process, is figuring out, not just saying, okay, everybody leave, that's not, that's not helpful. You know, it sh your, your working environment should not only be a place where you thrive as a, as a, as a professional, but it also needs to support you to thrive as a human. Yeah? So... It's just figuring out how what is the best the best what is the best choice for me right now and the people that I work with, mm. which are patients. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking as you're talking about that, like there there are people out there who who perhaps we see or view mm -hmm. as successful mm -hmm. <laughs> who are thriving. Mm -hmm. So what are the you know are the typical traits of people that you you associate with thriving or being successful therapists that, mm. that that people can look out for or or embody um, I'm not sure we can always be that person can we but <laughs> we can learn from them perhaps um, but I mean again it's a bit like what what is successful in clinical practice it's always going to be individualized so what another per and how another person thrives is relevant and nuanced to them and their setting and what they need in order to thrive and what they think thriving is. <clears throat> but um, I think, you know, it's, and it's a bit like clinical practice where you're thinking, well, okay, how do we support someone to make choices? Because thriving and sort of autonomy and being human is the freedom of that is that we have choices. Um, so I guess really taking a moment to think who you are as a, as a human, you know, what are your values? What do you stand for? What do you want your practice to stand for? Um, and then how, how would that look um, if it was, if you could think about the most perfect ideal situation, what would that look like? And then think, well, how close am I to that right now? And if you're not very close, but you're still able to stand by your values and you feel you're able to still express yourself and it's working for you financially and economically, you know, because we're in a financially unstable situation, probably coming into an even more unstable situation over the next few years. So you have to think about all of those things as well. Um, <clears throat> but I think thriving is about being able to make choices and act on those choices that fulfill yourself as a human, not just as a biological being right you know we don't just need food and sleep and a place to you know a safe place to work or something we need to be able to express all of ourselves in order to flourish yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
And if we throw it, th- flourish ourselves, mm-hmm. um, how does that connect with the person in pain as well? I and mean, what's what's that going to do for for your rapport mm. or the success working together? Well, I mean, I this is just what I think, right? This is all just my opinion. But I, I think if we are human, then not only do we model to the other person, this is a space for you to be human, but also, you know, what we're saying is we we, we want to make that genuine connection and have that, you know, and I think that's necessary. And, you know, when he- healthcare is like the social answer to filling the gap of care, right? That's what it's about. It's about somebody needs care that they're not able to get either at home, not because... Or, or, you know, in other ways, they come into a system where they get this care organised and created and um, provided for them. Mm. So care has to be at the foundation of that, you know, and care is a, is a human, it's a loving experience, it's an, un, it's an unconditional love. Mm. Brilliant, lovely. Mm. And I'm afraid the time went up when we were just answering that. Mm. So, woof, 11 minutes are shot by. So just, um, what I want to say huge thanks um <laughs> actually listening to it it makes me feel a bit sad um yeah. hearing some of that so i wonder whether people who are listening feel the same as well and i truly believe as you do that we can make change and and it's exciting to hear how yeah. we can go about doing some of that as well um yeah i know we're finished but i just want to pick up on that though <laughs> because i think you're right i think there is a sadness that we have to um come to terms with sometimes um and I think at the moment, a lot of the time, we cover that with anger. And there's a lot of sort of divisive um, conversations happening, particularly in MSK at the moment. I think if we can tolerate the fact that we feel a bit sad, um, and then we can sort of move and, and turn and pivot that towards, well, what can be hopeful? What is the, how do I move you know, towards my values, towards what I stand for as a clinician, as an autonomous clinician? Um, there's hope there as well. But whilst we're covering sadness with anger and frustration and sometimes bitterness, which I know I've experienced and I know I've expressed over the years, I think, I think we're probably not going to create the healthcare um, profession and the healthcare um, environment that we all believe in. Mm. It's why we all came into healthcare in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for that. Um, so, well, for those of you listening to the podcast, I just want to say thanks very much. And if you can like, subscribe, share, tell everybody about it, <laughs> tell the whole world. And um, if you want to hear more from other brilliant clinicians, researchers, pain advocates, mm-hmm. then please join us at lepubscientific.com. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll wrap that up for those on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh,